Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always is Nathan Golia. Hi, Zach. How you doing tonight? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Lots to talk about, actually, this week. Yeah, we both got to play this week. Um, we had a uh, scheduled Saturday tournament here in Utah for Legacy. It was a win-a-box. Um, they were going to scale it up if we got a bunch of people. Uh, unfortunately, it was a day of a bunch of last-chance qualifiers for a PP, or an RPTQ. That was the next day. So we got eight people. We got eight people and fired and played for a box of Conspiracy. Well, I mean... Or Conspiracy to take the crown or whatever. You got some take the crown cards out of it, I suppose. Well, I didn't, though. Uh, I, I uh, did go two and one. I played John. The winner, uh, after three Swiss rounds, the only undefeated player, was playing uh, Turbo Depth's combo. Okay. Uh, so that, that succeeded in our in our little metagame. Um, I played John with four lightning bolts, two Colagons commands, and no Grove of the Burn Wills, Punching Fire. Um, I just uh, think that lightning bolt is good for a lot of reasons. Like, I'd almost rather have Sudden Shock than Punishing Fire at this point. Like, Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, like, it, like, you can't let someone on tap with a mom. There's a lot of moms in our meta. And uh, you also don't want them to have their own Deathrite Shaman. So something, anything you can do on the first turn, I think, is good right now, at least in, here in Utah. And Colagon's command is just a beating. Like, every time it resolves, I win. I've got, like, 20 sanctioned rounds in with this deck now. And it's just, like, every time Colagon's command gets on the stack, like, my opponent just goes, ugh, yeah, every it's, time. It's a, it's a brutish card, man. I remember playing it in Modern and being just like, wow, uh, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So I played the first round uh, against White Eldrazi. Uh, we have a player who's really working hard on this deck. He's planning to bring it to Louisville. Um, and uh, he's been putting in the work. I lost. I won either the first or second game. The uh, ultimate game, though, I lost. He had a, a Leonin Arbiter in his deck, or possibly multiple Leonin Arbiters, for all I know. Um, and then Eldrazi displaced her out. Um, and I said, I will just kill this Leonin Arbiter, then fetch, then kill this Eldrazi displacer. Uh, instead, he instead I went to kill Leonin Arbiter. He flickered it with his displacer, which I forgot you could do to your own creatures. Oh yeah. And so I basically tapped some lands, discarded the card, and passed a turn. <laughs> I think my play would have been to pay the Leonin Arbiter tax, fetch, bolt the displacer, and then get the Arbiter next turn. I think I had abrupt decay or something. But anyway, I lost. Uh, good looking out by him to keep mana open because. Had I been able to fetch, I actually had a pretty good hand, but he was able to just say, like, well, you've got eight fetch lands, I've got this card, you got to beat it. <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's a pretty big beating. Um, in the second round, I played against Grixis Painter. Uh, it's another local player who's been playing this deck for a long time, a sort of labor of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for him, I had Abrupt Decay, Maelstrom Pulse, and Colagon's Command in my deck in the main board. <laughs> yeah, so, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he's a really he's a really good player and a nice guy, but just a bad matchup for him. Um, uh, at one point, he had like a Blood Moon and a Ensnaring Bridge with no cards in hand against me, but I had a basic Swamp and basic Forest, so um, I just waited it out and then you know just kept holding up my removal for his uh, grindstone combo if it was ever relevant. Of course. Yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much it. Once you have your basic lands and an abrupt decay, 
it's very hard for that deck to get past you. Well, he can with Goblin Welder, so that's like actually an interesting thing you have to sort of play around. Mm-hmm. Kolagon's Command, of course, is really good against Goblin Welder. So, yeah. Uh, and, um, but anyway, so they were, you know, so his, his deck is cool, but it's a good matchup for me, so I won. And then the third round I played against uh, Junk Stoneblade, or Abzan Stoneblade, uh, for those of you who are of Frontier Age. Um, and it was a long, grindy matchup where we went to three games, and I I did eventually win, but, you know, his deck plays Mother of Runes, Lingering Souls, Equipment. It's it's an uphill battle if, uh, if I don't really stay on top. And actually, it was interesting, uh, I boarded out all of my discard in the match, and I even, I think I boarded out my Lilianas, all my Lilianas, because Lingering Souls is just so hard for me to deal with. I didn't want to give him like free lingering souls. Yeah, of course. Um, and he kept, he got to keep all of his in because it's it's in his best interest to like thought seize me, take whatever removal I have, then play whatever horrifying thing he's going to put on the field. I mean, as as horrifying as like a mother of runes or a stoneforge mystic is, yeah, art wise. But, but uh, so he got to keep his in, which was interesting. I did bring in my fairy macabs though because I needed like stuff. And that was relevant. I, I brought him in so that I could hit his lingering souls if they made it to the graveyard, um, and also just because like I needed like bodies. And I ended up hard casting one on turn two off a of deathrite shaman in the third game, just sort of riding it to victory because wow. he never was able to get a lingering souls off. Poor man's Delver. So, yeah, and that's you know just another point about I think Fairy Macabre's good. I also think Sudden Shock is good, but uh, I built a few decks with it. And they just did not. We did some play testing and. Rug mid-range with Sudden Shock is just not getting there as much as I would hope. Yeah. But 2-1, and one, got some practice in. Still think this deck is probably pretty good. It's hard for me. Like, I guess I'll show up to Louisville and say, like, well, I guess I'm playing Brainstorm or not. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. But uh, I really like this deck. It does pretty well. Unless I get stuck on lands, which which happens, you know, when you don't have Brainstorm. But anyway, how did your uh, how did your last weekly go? Well, uh, I went to Nebulous, and we pulled off a, a very small tournament, and I ended up going one and two. Uh, round one, I went up against Tony Loman, who was playing a deck with the world's greediest mana base. Um, but uh, he was able to get out a true name against me uh, in two separate games, and that, that was enough to get past all my gooses and Tarmogoyfs. Yeah. Uh, we did play three games, uh so there was that, but he, he pretty much crushed me. Uh, so I think he was just able to get the jump on me with uh, Deathrite Shamans and stuff. And, I mean, that's... Deathrite Shamans is a card that, like, is a little tough for Rug to deal with. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's... It's too... It's impossible for me to deal with, and I've, you know, like, a, a simple Pithing Needle just gets gets around that card pretty easily. Um, right. And then they just have a squire, so you're not too worried about it. Um, it's it's interesting that that de- the deck that he was running is like Trune Nemesis, sort of a Stoneblade deck, but without the without the Stoneforge Mystics. Uh, you know, it's the other four decays. colors. Yeah, it's abrupt decays, and uh, he plays. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he plays the lands combo in there as well with Dark Depths and whatnot. So he's mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of a super greedy mana base, but it, it works for him, so not a whole lot I can say about that. Uh, in the next round, I played against uh, Grixis, 
uh, Delver, and uh, we went back and forth. Uh, but it was it was uh, you know in each game we went back and forth. I I've won in two games, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely like reminded me very much of of the uh, you know legacy of like years past when I got to play against somebody who was on a similar deck than me, and I just had to like kind of uh, you know edge for edge for a better play. Yeah. And uh and you know like playing the deck uh slightly smarter than my opponent who who was admittedly new to the deck uh really really panned out for me. In fact, uh not to make fun of the guy cuz it was his first time casting Flusterstorm, but he attempted to Flusterstorm my Tarmogoyf and I was like, "I'm sorry, man. That's not going to well, work." Well, I saw <laughs> I saw a Star City IQ champion attempt to Flusterstorm to animate that on stream, so Yeah. I mean, at least that's a spell. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny though. Plus, Storm is that card where it's like it looks awesome, and then like someone does something like that, and you're like, "Oh, this doesn't actually answer that." Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyhow, the, the, you know, he, I let him take it back. Obviously, there's no target for it, and um, he uh, he dazed my Tarmogoyf, so I paid the one mana, and he was like, "Okay, yeah, you got me." Um, and but it was funny how good Tarmogoyf is against uh, Pyromancer. Uh, when you have two of them out, <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh god, I gotta block it, I gotta block it, I gotta block. Eventually, he runs out of spells, and right. then he has to block it with his pyromancer. And they're certainly not gaining any ground against you. So, um, I think that it's still a good like. I still feel like Rug is the best Delver deck as far as a Delver matchup is concerned. Whenever you're playing against another Delver deck, I just would rather be on Rug. Um, yeah, I don't. I think that's a that's a fair argument. I used to think that the uh, bug decks maybe were, but I don't know. I think Lightning Bolt's so important in the Delver yeah, strategy. Yeah, I mean, just having that reach is, is pretty uh, drastic. And, you know, you could, like I said, it, it sucks that they have access to Death Ride Shaman, but you can kill their Death Ride Shaman. Um, and, you know, if you can... If they don't drop turn one Death Ride Shaman it's really hard for them to get into the game because you can stifle Wasteland them out of the game knowing that they have no uh, no answers to um, a stifle and that yeah. all their lands are non-basic as well. Um, but, uh, so, the third round, I kind of came across a revelation, and I think that's that I need to be playing one or two Trune and Nemesis in my main deck. Um, mm-hmm. That I say that because my opponent... Um, decided to make all of my green threats not threats anymore by uh, wastelanding me and surgical extracting my uh, tropical islands, both game both game two and three, which basically won him the game. He mulled to four in the second game and basically just beat me on the back of, you're not going to be able to cast any spells this game. Not threats at least. Uh, it, it sucks because I want to be like, that just sounds like such a horrible strategy. <laughs> but I mean, it's a great way to beat to, to stop that deck, and if you know that I'm not running any like Tigas or any other green sources, it's it's fine. Right, I know. I'm just like I can't imagine mulling the four. What what was he playing? He was it, this was the Deathblade deck that I actually had beat uh, last Monday. So you know there was there was a history there. The guy knew my deck, um, and he had sw- he made some ch- uh, some changes. He was no longer playing the Gurmog Anglers. Um, Mm-hmm. But man, I just couldn't. I couldn't keep up with with that. I turned one, played a goose. He countered it and followed it up with a wasteland into surgical. And I, you know, I take out some counter magic against a deck that I'm going card for card on. 
Um, so I took out, uh, I think I was on the play in the first round, so I had no dazes in. And I uh, took out two Force of Wills. Uh, and it just, uh, he ate me alive. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry, man. That just yeah. sounds so tough, and I it can't was, imagine It was crap, because, like, I mean, I got I had a Delver out and, at one point, and he just got rid of it, because he's got plenty of removal. And I even it had uh, stifled his, uh, or stifled, uh, Pithy needled his Deathrite Shamans, but he still had one twos that were coming in at me, and I had no threats. There's just nothing I could do to kill him. So, yeah. I mean, even a Jace would have been something, you know? Like, it was just, and there was just no way. So that, well, that has me thinking I need to play maybe one at least true name in, in my main and maybe one in my 75. But being able to cast, like, another non-green threat in a situation where, like, your opponent just keeps you off of green mana and not necessarily kills all of your threat, like, kills yeah. your ability to cast threats, you know, it, it made me think. And there's a version of this deck that doesn't run the, the gooses and runs a click, a true name, and two... Uh, to uh, Hooting Mandrills. Hooting Mandrills, yeah. Um, so there's there's that as a thought, too, but I really do like the Nimble Mongoose uh, in most matchups because once it gets down, it's very hard for people to deal with, and unless they have uh, Liliana that you can even stifle, um, that there's not a whole lot they can do. And there's been a couple times where someone's like, ah, Liliana, I'll kill your Mongoose. I'm like, I'll stifle that. And they're just like, oh, no. I am in terrible, terrible, terrible places right now. Yeah. I wish, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough because Mongoose is so close, like, the reason to play that deck. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you lose all your green sources, it's not nearly as good, is it? Yeah, I mean, I'm playing one library, so maybe I could take the library out for a true name. There's a flex slot there that I can mess around with. Um, So... Yeah, that's that's how the tournament went. I went home empty-handed. Um, but, you know, I feel like I'm getting good testing, so I'm, yeah. I can't really complain too much. Uh, the the games against Tony, I felt, were very one-sided based on the fact that he got good draws against me. Uh, we played some games afterwards, and, you know, they they went back and forth a little bit, but... Um, you know, you're gonna have, you're gonna have your bad matchups with this deck, uh, and even in a meta that, you know, that particular night, there were no uh, death and taxes and no, uh, Eldrazi, even in a meta that, that seems favorable, you know, you're going to, ha- you're going to lose occasionally. You can't win every good matchup or every bad matchup. Like you can't, you yeah. don't lose. So, you know, that's magic. You just have to, you know, continue to play your deck. You can't react to everything. Yeah. I tested, tested some rug Delver, tested some rug mid range. It just doesn't as much like when the rug, when rug Delver gets going or even when this mid range deck that I was testing got going, like it was great. But it was just like so easy to stumble, and you just find yourself wishing you had Ruptigay to get you out of so many jams. Yeah. We were talking <laughs> about that pushes. before. Like we, we wish there was like a a charm that Rug got that like made it so that you could be competitive against Eldrazi and against Death and Taxes, and uh, you know, just something that would get you into a game that you could possibly main deck maybe over, you know, something else in the deck. Uh, that would make the deck viable as a tier one deck again. It doesn't have to be right. better than the other decks, but just the, you know, like this is a deck that can be played constantly. I feel like right now uh, I'm gonna end up playing it, but I feel like right now it's like a it's a tier two, tier two five deck. You know, it's 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 sort of a bummer that like what I consider to be 
tier one for a very long time is now like you know just set back and he who knows it could change uh literally the next time a set comes out like there's always that potential for something cool to get uh put out that like makes the deck great again yeah specifically we're talking about some sort of red green spell that like killed the colorless creature or an artifact or something just something that would like deal with eldrazi and like a chalice of the void yeah or like you know i would like to see uh hybrid mana charms come out yeah um you know something that's like one simic one gruel you know or one simic one is it you know to pay the cost something you know like yeah there's so much design space that magic hasn't really used and the concept of using multiple uh hybrid manas to like put a spell together to me is super cool but something that we've not done yet so I, I think that, um, you know, there's apparently an Atlantean set coming out uh, thanks to that leak. That, that's that's the thing that we kind of know. It would be cool yeah. if they could find some other way to, like, you know, make mana better. I, I think that that's always a stretch, that a, a goal that um, the developers for the game should, should be looking at is uh, they should be making strives to make mana better. Even, like, the Teamer charm from Khans. Terrible. Like, it's just, it's so terrible. And then the Sultite charm has, like, actual naturalize as a mode. Yeah. Which would have fit on the Teamer charm. Like, it doesn't go with any of the other colors in that in that wedge. Yeah, I mean, it's I would still like, to have a t- oh. the, the Sultite charm as the Teamer charm. I would probably play one in, in my rug deck. Like, that card's great. I would definitely play a run because it's... First two modes are destroy target monocolored creature and destroy target artifact or enchantment. I mean, that just, it doesn't kill the Eldrazi, which can be a pain, but at least it stops like a Gurmag Angler. Yeah. You know, or a lot of the stuff in Death and Taxes. Or, or like, you can pay three mana to get rid of a, a freaking chalice that's on two or one. You know, like. I was playing, that's... yeah, I was playing Bant Charm for a while because it buries a creature and or destroys an artifact. I'm, like, I'm almost to enough. a point where I'm going to start playing uh, Destructive Revelry Main just so that, like, I, I can get people. Yeah, I mean, having a two that beats Counterbalance is also important. I, mean, I, I don't even, I, as much as I think this deck is soft at Counterbalance top, it's like, I don't even don't, I don't even need a main deckable enchantment thing. I just need something that, give him that kills an artifact and that can deal with a creature bigger than three toughness, and I think I can live with it. Yeah. And that's how low the bar is because, like, Bug gets Abrupt Decay and Maelstrom Pulse and Cross yeah. <laughs> and Grip. I mean, I, I guess Cross and Grip can be played in Rug, too. I but. also really wish that Rug could be played, like, you you know, you're playing this mid-range deck, and I was trying a Punishing Rug deck, but I really yeah. wish that, it, that those decks were, were competitive. You know, like, I, I would really like to see, um, you know, like a, a Tier 1 deck that with Shardless Agent in it that's a Rug deck, you know? Yeah, I um I don't own Ancestral Visions, or I would have maybe tried the Starless Agent thing. I ended up playing. I mean, I'm playing Snapcaster Mages, and then a couple Spell Pierce, a couple Spell Snare, four Bolts. You know, mm-hmm. I basically like this is an idea I, I got watching like Reduke stream a Rug mid range modern deck. Um, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I got Snapcaster Bolt stuff, and that'll be my way to get out of jams. And I also got to play True Name Nemesis and Deathrite because this is Legacy. Yeah, you know, um. And he played Hunt Master the Fells and said I get to play Jace, you know. Yeah, I mean... So you win some, you lose some, right? I mean, the other option is obviously Bloodbraid Elf. Yeah, but with the with the cheap counter magic, which you kind of need 
just to like yeah, you you're kind of playing a tempo game. game. Like it, the deck is really good as a tempo deck. Yeah, I mean the colors I should say are really good as a tempo colors, but like you're saying, it's just like there's there's a lot of bad matchups, and you know I'm just trying. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some other way to play some of these cool interactions without having to play this the like pure tempo game and like once it hit if they like make a third land drop the game is over yeah um so i was trying that but uh man no dice so far but i don't know so um i hinted a little bit at uh what we were going to talk about for the rest of the cast here um why don't you introduce uh, our our next topic yeah so there's been a lot of buzz lately on the internet about the uh the frontier format and uh i mean i have some personal opinions about the format myself um and and we have sort of an alternative that we had talked about once before on the cast but um let's let's just talk about the frontier format uh, uh just you know first impressions uh back and forth so All right. uh, i'll let you go first on this well yeah i'll explain so frontier is a is a format that its origins. So I guess the the uh, the um, the agreed about agreed upon origin of it is the Haruya store in Japan. You know, it's it's the format that begins with M15, which is with uh, the the card frame that is now being produced with the holographic stamp on rare cards and the thicker black border at the bottom. And the idea is that anything printed in that frame is legal in this format. Um, I guess other than like you know commander reprints of cards like Sylvan Library or whatever, but yeah. um, you know any it basically like the same sort of entry uh, entryway as modern things things that go in standard uh, end up being in this frontier format. Their stated objective is to make it so that people who want to keep playing with their older cards but don't feel like they can afford to get into modern um, have a format. Yeah. Um, but it's very short format right now. Yeah, so uh, this is, to me, I'm, personal opinion, this is a group of people that are bummed that they didn't get rid of their Rotatoes during standard rotation, right? Like, yes. for me, I go on, I, I throw this stuff on eBay like four months before standard rotates, and I get rid, get rid of whatever I can, get my, get my uh, value out of it, throw it right back into Modern or Legacy, and if I decide to play standard, cool, I play some standard. But there's a four-month period where I just don't play standard because it's not that important to me, period, anyhow. Um, so what happens is people uh, that that are new to the game over the last, like, two years are like, oh, modern's too expensive, but they want something to be... They want an eternal format that they can play that still uses their old cards, which I... I get it at the same time, though. It's such a terrible Eternal format. Like, you know, and I'm sure people who played Legacy said the same thing about about Modern. I don't think Modern is a terribly flawed format. I think there are some flaws, but I think that Modern is an overall okay format when it's when it's uh, upkept. Um, currently, it's not being upkept properly right now. So uh, what happens is you have... Frontier, which is M15 on, and basically what you have as far as decks are concerned are like Rally and Collected Company and like Court of Calling decks. Yeah, the standard All-Stars since M15 yeah, like, came out. <laughs> why do you want to go back to standard that just rotated? To me, that's the worst part is like, I don't want to, uh, I hated that standard format. I hated watching people cast Collected Company and, and like, 
and either whiffing and being like, oh, that's crap. I'm like, yeah, you just played the most broken card in the format. I'm glad that you did whiff. You should. There should be some variance to that card. Uh, yeah. and, and then, like, or always hit what they want, you know? Like, I just don't feel like that's where I want to be playing Magic, personally speaking. I don't want to play Standard from two years ago. I think it's boring. I think we should move on. Um, that said, um, I, get where, I get where people are coming from. They want to play with their old cards. I have zero sympathy for those people, though, because you have to, you know, rotation is a known quantity, and you have to deal with your with your rotatos, you know? Like, you've got to get yeah. rid of the cards that you know aren't going to be worth anything in modern. Uh, and, and, you know, I have some friends that were like, hey, you know, like, it's hard to trade standard cards for modern cards, and that's true. You can't really trade up to an eternal format from from a rotating format. You have to sell those cards on eBay. You have to put them on Puka Trade. You have to find other ways to get to get around the trading system because you know a standard player is is not not going to be able to get modern cards just from trades. Um, well, I mean, to me, go on. To me, this format just you know it, its existence and it's the community rallying behind it just confirms something that I, I think I've said on innumerable numbers of these podcasts, which is that people want to play with their cards. For sure. Like, people play standard because it's there, but they want to keep playing with their cards in competitive settings and have a competitive format, not just at the kitchen table, right? And the focus on rotation is important for Wizards as a business, and, you know, I guess... I don't know. There's probably some game reason. It probably makes it easy to balance sets. But, you know, at some point, this is what people really want out of this game, is to build decks and not feel like, oh, I got screwed out of playing this cool deck idea because this card came out in this block and this card came out in this block, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I I personally agree with you. Just, like, I don't think that this format... I don't think this is ready to be a format. No, I mean, I right now. <laughs> something else has to happen to, the, to these cards. And if you're going to... Uh, go, uh, Actually, go on, go on. I'll, I'll, I'll make my well, point. Well, what I'm saying is, like, yeah, like, Modern, when it came out, was, like, I think seven years worth of sets at yeah. that point. And we're talking, like, M15. It, it's 2016. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I know it came out in 2014, but, like, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, we're talking about, about sets coming out since, like, summer of 2014, which is just not enough to really make it anything other than you're playing your standard deck from whatever season. You're playing um, your standard deck from the last time that there were pro tour qualifiers. Right. Just and just to go. throw that out there at people. Like the last time you went to an actual pro tour qualifier, you could play with these cards in standard. Like that just no. doesn't do it for me, man. It's not that I wasn't playing with any of those cards in standard or in standard and in, in you know, modern. I completely ignored all of those cards. So the one thing that you that you see so far that I think has been maybe the biggest, I don't know, quote unquote, overlooked aspect of this is that you can play Torrential Gear Hulk, which lets you cast an instant from your graveyard for free and dig through time, which is pretty, <laughs> which is pretty sick. That's stupid. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's a pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to do. Um, but. Uh, I don't think that it, on its own is, you know, enough cool interactions. Just I haven't been enough cool interactions really printed. I mean, it's just going to be, like you said, collected company with all the best three drops going back to uh, M15. Yeah. 
and uh, or and coming forward from M15 at this point too. Um, they just you know they lowered the power level a bit. So, so of course, one of the things about this about this format is that, like I was saying before, you've got the rally decks, you've got the collected company rally decks, and you've got the collected company decks that are also court of calling decks. There are basically four or five different de- decks in this format that people are really playing, and. I, th- I really feel like if Wizards would support a format like this, they kind of have to do what they did with Modern and say, listen, no pre-format boogeymen are allowed in this format, which means that you have to ban Rally and Collect a Company, probably Court of Calling, and really, what are you playing with then? Like, mm, Jace Prince I, Prodigy. <laughs> yeah, eventually you're going to end up, you know, getting rid of, because that allows you to have Fetchlands in play, right? So, like, you also have to ban uh, what's called Treasure Cruise, you have to ban uh, Dig Through Time. Suddenly, you're not even playing with fun with fun Magic cards. You're playing with the crap that you, that ro- that you couldn't trade that rotated out. You know, you yeah. have to play with like Yisan and shit like that. Like, come on, guys! <laughs> like, there's just well, there's I got to think... be a better way. Well, well, things that were not in standard together, which I'm sort of surprised hasn't really broken out yet, is that the. Um... The Dell cards were not in standard with the Delirium cards and the Delirium enablers, and like I, I feel like eventually someone's going to put all that together in a way that you know is just like it's it's it would it's such a world's better uh, card engine than anything that's available <laughs> in standard. Otherwise, you know, it's well, just it's way above the power level of standard. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, missing something here, but wouldn't Delve and Delirium kind of negate each other? It's not the delirium specifically, but the fact that there's delirium enablers like uh, grapple with the past. I see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, vessel of nascency. That's true. That yeah, are yeah. that are in that it now exists. Yeah, one hundred percent. That makes feel yeah. total sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I was saying, uh, you have to do you have to do this sort of cleanup of a format once it starts. You know, you have you start out with a format, you let people play it, you see what's broken, and you immediately go, okay, no old format boogeyman, no turn three, four kills, and, and you know, you kind of go from there, right? Um, you know, d- no format domination. That You know, the three rules that Modern basically has is, like, those three rules. And then, like I said, you're in the, you end up playing something that's a more bo- boring version of Modern and a less interesting version of Standard because it's not changing. Um, so I, I'm not really sold on this format, although I think that, you know, we had talked about before another format possibility that I think has legs that really no one's really talking about, which is a bummer because I think it would be much, much better, uh, yep. than, than, uh, Frontier. And that's the, the, uh, quote unquote eternal format. Right. And we also talked about Masters Constructed, which sort of is this thing where it's like you can reprint any cards you want, right? Yeah. But the eternal format, it would be basically legacy and vintage, I suppose. I guess I don't know if it to switch the band list up, but getting rid of anything on the reserve list, right? Yeah. And that's been bandied about as a possibility. Um, I think you know the point would be that if modern and frontier end up existing side by side, then surely these two can exist side by side as well. For sure. I mean, and maybe... that's that's the one plus about Frontier is if you're going to bring in Frontier, then there's no reason we can't see Eternal as a format. Uh, you know, I, I, and I feel like, you know, there, 
it would need some upkeep. You know, there'd be some dominating strategies at first, but I think we can easily um, cull that stuff pretty quickly. Um, yeah, at least within a year, you know, uh, assuming that the format is, is well-liked enough. And that really lowers the entry to, to uh, uh, an eternal format that's actually fun to play. And by fun to play, I mean, we're defining that as has multiple kinds of decks. Yeah. And multiple mechanisms by which to punish. I mean, this Frontier metagame is like four-color deck, four-color rally, four-color collected company, four-color control. Yeah, it's basically... So this, this format, the, the Frontier format, is basically people who own fetch lands but don't own shock lands. Like, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. Like, they can't afford the mana base because they don't feel like paying $12 for shock lands. Um, I mean, I get that there's other, there's other factors involved, you know, there's cards that are 50 to, 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 you know, plus dollars. And a friend of mine's like, I can't afford to buy for Cavern of Souls. I'm like, you, you could, if you just, you know, you worried about rotation a little earlier than you might've suspected that you're going to have to, because those are 50 bucks a piece. $200 is a lot to do, but over time... If you're smart about trading your cards off as they come in, you can easily take your standard cards and turn them into three, four, five hundred dollars worth of, uh, you know, cash that you can get out. Well, it comes down to what what people want to do, and I think, you know, every, every all these discussions about standard are always about like, well, why do you play standard? It's always like, well, I've only played for a little bit, and this is how I got started. Yeah. A couple of rotations is usually all it takes for someone to decide that they don't want to deal with the rotation anymore. Of course. I mean, the reason when people ask me, hey, hey, I haven't seen you play Sander before, I go, yeah, there's a pro event coming up or something. You know, there's a competitive event coming up that I'm forced to play this format that I don't really want to play. And as, as like, nice as Standard is right now, is like, it's cheap, it, you know, like... There are a lot of different decks. There's a lot of innovation going on. I'm fucking bored. I, I just don't want to play that format. Like, I played it, like, three or four times at bigger events, and I'm like, yeah, I, I just... I, I don't want to play this for six rounds. I, it's it's just not my speed at all. I, I don't feel like I am playing the game in a way that I enjoy, and certainly not a way that I would want to waste six hours of my life you know, doing, whereas I could be doing something else on a Saturday afternoon, you know? Like, I would probably rather not play Magic that day. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, as we're as more formats become proposed or discussed, you know, it, it, you really have to sort of start thinking, like, well, what is, what is, like, the maximum amount of formats that a game can sustain? Um, the other day I was at the store playtesting, and this guy's like, do you have standard? No. Do you have modern? No, give me the I'm laughing. Like I, I literally only have legacy decks, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I, I, I own a mod. I own cards that I could fashion into a modern deck. It's yeah. not like I don't own it, but like, also um, like, I don't have it put together your all house the time. with all those different formats. It's it's impossible, you know. I, I run into yeah. that conversation a lot, and I, I just, basically I just bring whatever deck I was taking to that tournament because I don't want to show up to a. a to work with six decks and then like roll into a store with six decks, you know, it's just too much, uh, to carry around. I'm not carrying a backpack to work. Like I'm, you know, I'm not 22 anymore. I, you know, right. I carry a messenger <laughs> bag with one deck in it and, and, and go. But like, as far as like how many 
how many formats can a uh, can a game sustain? I don't know. I have. Uh, let's go with the stuff that I don't play that much, right? Standard and EDH. I actually own one of each of those decks, right? Then yeah. I have Vintage, uh, Legacy. I have several modern decks. Um, I would say I have several of each of those kind of decks ready to p- be played or built. Then I have Classic, which is um, what? like uh, Classic is like 94, 95 Magic the Gathering. Yeah. And then I have 95 as well. Two different decks. Um, so I think we can sustain a lot of different things. It's how many... How, the real question is, how many formats can your LGS sustain? That's, right. That, maybe that's, that's, maybe that's a better question. question. Yeah, yeah. So it comes down to having a strong local community for that format. And with Classic or 95, you know, when we play those, that's because people are... Are raring to play that format, you know, like they, you want to bring back that nostalgia, and I personally feel that a lot. Like I yeah. love playing Stasis, and it's really the only play, way you can do it is like to have that moment in time brought back to you and be like, I play Stasis in this format, or I play, you know, Rug Control in this format. You know, you can go back to to that era of Magic and play it, and that's cool. But we don't do it all the time. We do it like once a month, or like. We get together at someone's house uh, and, and we'll play that format because it's fun. It reminds us of being young. Um, whereas I don't feel like Frontier will have those kind of legs where someone's just like, oh man, I'm raring to play Frontier. Again, the only reason you're playing Frontier is because you have no other choice. Well, that's funny because like the 93-94 or 94-95 or whatever those nostalgia formats, I mean, they have mistakes. But like there are so few mistakes that make it into standard that are mistakes within the context of standard. Yeah. Right. I mean, a collected company is arguably a mistake, but really it's just like a good card, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the mistake was the creatures they printed after collected company. Right. Right. Um, and so you don't really get that like, Oh, anything could happen feeling. Yeah. Because like someone could roll into, I mean, we, we we've seen some pretty crazy, uh, 93, 94 decks. I saw uh, actually, this was outside of New York when I was in Chicago once. I went to uh, MTG Card Market, which uh, we have Chicago-based listeners, people who go to Chicago. MTG Card Market is great. They have a really good legacy scene, lots of good players. And uh, I would definitely implore you to check it out if you're ever visiting Chicago. And they're not even anyway, a sponsor. And they're not even a sponsor, <laughs> but uh, I'm just giving a shout-out to a local store. I know that they're online and stuff, but you know, I like to, to uh, push these local stores that I've seen in my travels when I can. Anyway, um, but there were guys playing... Uh, 90, 94, I guess. I think their last legal set was Fallen Empires. Yep. And the dude was straight up playing goblins with Goblin Warrens. Yeah, you know dude, what that Goblin does? Goblin Warrens is is a beater of a card if you have an attrition game going on. Yeah, and he's one just goblin like, and get two goblins. I think it's sacrifice two and get three. Oh, but even, yeah, that's a thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like sacrifice two goblins and get three. It's like every turn he's making an extra. He's like attacking, making a, making three untapped goblins. Or, like, if you block, you just, like, sack a go- two goblins and you have another one. You know, yeah, the, the, that card's that card's bonkers. And uh, it's, it's... I, I had never, ever seen it played before. Yeah. Oh, man, I used to, this is one of the first decks I made. Uh, this guy's sacrificing a goblins with a flarg to it. I'm like, jeez, this is awesome. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I don't think you get that anything could happen from Frontier. I did, there's a couple, there's a couple points I wanted to make about Frontier and Modern and Legacy sort of as a whole, though. Yeah. And I think that we're talking, and you're, and you're, you brought this up. It's just like 
sometimes people want to use cool interactions and they can't anymore. And anytime you make a format like this, um, there's something that gets left left out. And specifically, I'm thinking of like Theros block for this for this case, right? You know, Theros block is way closer in power level to the cons M15, you know, blocks than to the modern era blocks, right? Sure, definitely. Um, but it's just like, unfortunately, it was not printed in this card frame, so it's completely left out, you know? So it just kind of sucks that, like, Theros would, would incentivize playing uh, monocolor decks in a way that the format doesn't incentivize at all now because there's no there's no payoff for it you might as well just play three four colors right yeah and that would add some texture but then your starting point seems even more arbitrary of course with modern with modern this is always a case that gets brought up with like well they didn't put mercadium Mats invasion odyssey and onslaught in even though they're not subject to the reserve list and like there's some questionable cards in those four, in those deck, in those uh, sorry, in those uh, blocks for sure, some very powerful cards are legacy staples, even. But you know, then there's there's also some cards that are maybe a little closer to the power level of the modern formats. I mean, those were all all those sets are are um, replies to Urza's block, which was yeah. so broken it was that they powered everything down for. <laughs> Power, yeah, Mass was very powered down. I mean, we didn't even really understand how good Rashid Import was until after uh, Saga had rotated out, like Urza's block had rotated out. Then we're like, oh, this is what we're doing now. You know, yeah. everybody just had to have four ports in their deck. And I'm not saying that Modern necessarily needs those things, but it's like, you know, there are some, only the really powerful cards from those sets, and I think we can count them on one hand. It's, and a couple more reprints, if you want to say, like, Brainstorm and Counterspell or Mercadian Masks. Mm-hmm. But, like, and Dark Ritual. But those, aren't, those aren't even Masks cards. I mean, you're talking, like, Rashad and Port, Cabal Therapy. Uh, like, then you really got to dig deep into, Days. like, Invasion. <laughs> Days is one. Uh, gush, but I guess that's not even legal in Legacy. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, Gush with Shocklands, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, gu- but, gush, <laughs> gush would be completely fine in, in Modern, I think. Which is, which is funny what it's to say, right? Because it would be, like, insane and legacy. I mean, it's a lot of things, but it's like... So you've got these formats, and then you can never make everyone happy, right? Um, of course I, not, I would no. really like to see... I would really like to see more... Um, more, more uh, I get, like, Grand Prix or Star City Opens, or even, like, Eternal... I mean, the Eternal format uh, showcases that are community-driven, like Eternal Weekend and Eternal Extravaganza, I mean, they... That's pushing the uh, old school formats. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know they're doing the work, and if you want to like, like build your own standard, you know, or something like that, or like you could pick, you know, build your own extended or old style extended, or you know, maybe like, you know, these these bigger tournaments could promote that they're offering that and offer it as a side event. It's true. So that people could play like their astral slide deck. It's funny you know? that you mentioned that that about that with the um, older, you know, the Eternal Weekend and stuff like doing those formats because cards in those formats start to get more expensive. Um, you know, which is which is a little silly to me. But um, you know, when you have a format like that, people are like, "Oh God, I gotta buy up all the Serendib gins," you know. Yeah. Which is weird, well, but it's it's a thing that happens, and. If Frontier became a format that people were like, oh, this is a format I want to play, 
it's super easy to get into because all the cards are cheap. They would instantaneously not be cheap anymore. And all you're doing is pushing uh, pushing your problem onto people who come into the game after you, which is really what you're sad about. Is it like it costs too much money to get into modern? Well, I got into modern yeah. five years ago when it wasn't that expensive, you know? But I, you know, like I don't feel like it needs to be expensive. They could just reprint more stuff. Um, I don't think that the answer to your financial woes is to create a new format that no one wants to play. You mean like a fourth format where the uh, where the um, the uh, onslaught fetch lands are a staple? Like, I mean, yeah, your polluted deltas those are going to be thirty bucks before you know it. Doesn't matter. I mean, you they're, they're, you need them for everything. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like eventually you know yeah yeah you they'll ban collected company right and then like you'll pay $15 for a Yeeson or some bullshit like that. Like there's always <laughs> well, going to be some ridiculous, if there's a, if there's a new format, there's going to be a ridiculous card in that format. And people, people will let that card financially spike. If people are playing that format, it's just a fact of life for this game that you are going to, if a card is good in a format that people play, people will spend money on it. And thusly the price will go up. That's how just, much is a bribery that's magic. <laughs> How much is a bribery, right? Like, yeah. it's only played in EDH. I mean, and that's true. That's what's what, my point is. Like, if if people are looking towards a sanctioned format to solve their like, I want to play these deck woes. You're just never gonna. You're never gonna be satisfied. Well, there's you just <laughs> you will know? never be able to satisfy everyone because people will come into the game later, and unless they continue to print reprint the same 400 cards over and over again, this is always going to be a problem. Yeah. I think, uh, and it's funny because like one of the things I see the most about Frontier is they should just ban the fetch lands. Like, well, the format's three weeks old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, totally. And, and fetch lands are the cards. Those that's the that's the money card that all these new players have. They yeah, have like fetch I, have, lands I have fetch lands, but I don't have like cards to play. I don't have my colonnades or whatever. That's you know. Yeah, that's so that's they're going to take is. the thing out that they want to play with because you're sick of playing four color formats where there's no. Yeah, I mean, it just gets down to like, like with any with this thing too. It also just comes down to like, the what makes the game fun isn't really what's being what's being offered right now. The game has a lot of uh, momentum and maybe inertia is maybe what I want to say here. Yeah, like, definitely inertia is the word because if something tries to stop it, it will stop. <laughs> right, and uh, and it's just like. You know, you're not letting people do powerful things, and anytime there's a chance that something might be really powerful, there's just a very vocal section of the player base that wants to take that out. That that yeah. power coming from the four color. That four is color the that is the problem with social media since like I want to say 2010, 2008, is that anytime people get beat with a card, sort of often in Magic, everyone just cries for it to be banned. And I don't think, like, whereas I think some bans are are necessary, Treasure Cruise, you know, uh, stuff like that. Some of those bans are necessary. I think oftentimes Wizards knee-jerk reacts to the, the uh, to social media by being like, we'll just shut them up and do this thing that they're crying for. Yeah, we put a little testing into it, but, like, really we just want to stop getting that text message or that email over and over and over again. <laughs> 
you know, and I think that's a not not the greatest way to run your business is by always listening to to social media. Now they don't always listen to social media, but a classic example is like what just happened to Standard. You know, if people right. if they didn't have the social media for them to like hear every other person going, I want Standard to last longer. You know, one you wouldn't even have this frontier format being a thing, right? And the other thing is, is like they would have just been like, it's just going to be like I said, we said before. There's no reason that no one's even tested this yet. You know? Yeah, I thought that was so. That was such an interesting decision by them. And but yeah, what do I say? Who want to play their cards? You want to yeah. play their cards? And you know, people want to play. They people want to play Splinter Twin. And it's like you know, it, that's that's like that's the thing. Like you know, Splinter Twin's not going to be in this format. In fact, you know, it was funny. It's funny to think about what if they had started this with Return to Ravnica, which is really like the beginning of the powering down after. Oh yeah, um, Zendikar scars. You know, Deathrite Shaman and Fetchlands in the same format again. <laughs> That'd be, like, at least be something fun to do, right? It would be something, and it's like, well, is that automatic? Well, I guess Deathrite Shaman. You'd have Deathrite Shaman, Fetchlands, and Liliana, the Last Hope, <laughs> in the same format again. I mean, Liliana, Last Hope is Liliana Veil, and it's just like. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool. That's kind of cool to think about. What if Deathrite Shaman was in this format? You know, yeah. what if Rip Decay was in this format with, you know, all these three drops coming in off Collected Company? Or, you know, what if an Uncounterable Wrath was in this format? Um, what if Thoughtseize was in this format? But it's never gonna. You know, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is to pick a start date that seems logical, which is a card frame change, and and go from there. But I don't know. I think about the Astral Slide people. I thought about the Astral Slide people, I should say, when uh, when this was announced. Like, all the people say, like, I wish Astral Slide was in Modern. I'm like, I do too. That would be cool. Well, yeah. too bad. <laughs> like, how it's a three-mana enchantment. Like, you're, you're dead. It wouldn't be broken. Instead, so. you have to wait till a Vintage Masters com- comes back to Moto so that you can play it again. Right. Right, or you have to take it to your legacy tournament and just accept that you're probably going to get stomped. Yeah, there's just nothing, you know, there's nothing in between for you, and that's going to what it's going to be like with your mono black devotion deck. This would be cool with Liliana the Last Hope, but nope, not happening. Yep. Anyway, I think that uh, we, um, you know, I think our point here is just is just again to like just illustrate the fact that you know why we love why we love legacy. It's just that it's powerful. And it sticks around. Yeah, your cards remain playable for a very long time. And even like you know, I I, I gripe about Rug Delver maybe not being the the most tier one deck, but that that deck is still pretty good um, in comparison to like say you know your collected company deck that you can't take to a modern tournament. You know, like yeah, uh, I I totally understand you know wanting to play with your your quote unquote old cards, but really I think what you have to step back and realize is that a lot of people that have been playing the game much longer than you have lost much more money than you have on on cards and yes where it sucks like maybe you don't have the uh, the uh, you know the stockbroker job where you can just go buy a modern deck or whatever you know it most but people, you will <laughs> yeah eventually you will be able to afford uh, your cards if you just continue to like play the magic finance game smartly you can't just like pump and dump stuff you know if you're just like okay it's four months out to rotation let me get rid of my uh standard cards uh while i can they're hot now let's let's just get rid of them i'll draft for a couple months you know 
Uh, well, that's what we were talking about last time, which is if 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 the value to you is in playing the best standard deck till rotation, because you are super competitive and that's what you want to do, then that's that's your problem. That's that's what you've decided. Yeah. You know, if you want to break even and play your cards for a long time, um, you know, you gotta you gotta make that decision four months in advance, and. Uh, like maybe Frontier will maybe Wizards will listen to Hariyua and and start and start running another format alongside Modern and Legacy and Standard, but I just like I can't imagine doing it. It's not, way too short. I just want to see a Pro Tour that's not Standard. <laughs> like I'm over watching people just jam new Magic cards at each other that I don't care about. Yeah, yes. and you know the Pro Tour just breaks the format. Like it's like. People aren't. People don't. Once a pro tour happens, people stop exploring, which I think is sad for standard. But on the other hand, the, the card pool is so small. You know, yeah, it was going to get smaller, wasn't it? And like until they made this change, like the, the standard. I mean, a set, a new set used to be like four hundred cards when when I was a kid. Now it's two hundred and something, and then another small set. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just like the game's in a tough. Like you say, like you know, you. I love playing this game, and. You know, I'm gonna keep doing it, but it's in a tough spot right now. There's just a lot of a lot of information out there. There's a lot of competition, and uh, there's a lot of legitimate complaints that you can't really solve. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of a bummer. You know, it's just you, you can't. You know, the development team can't make everyone happy. So I mean, that's that, that's the first thing. You know, we we just have to realize that you can't always make. Every single player happy. It's impossible. You can print a card that 99% of the people are going to want to play with, and there's going to be that 1% that's like, but that makes my deck bad. You know, it's just, yeah, right. that's magic. It's, it's, you know, magic is, is interesting in a way. I read someone's post on Facebook the other day about how he was like, winning at magic never feels amazing. Losing always feels terrible. And that's it's sort of true. I, I mean, it, I, I feel like there's times when it feels amazing, but you are destroying the hopes and dreams of another person when you're doing it. So unless you don't like that person, there's a, there's a moment where you have to feel a slight amount of remorse and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, your deck didn't work out too well or whatever. You know, there's always yeah, that this moment. Is, this is like my friend on, on Grix's Painter to sort of bring it back to the front, like, I love the guy. Nice guy. Been a good, good, a good friend since I moved here, and uh, his deck is really cool. And I'm like, I've got, I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to lose this matchup. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, and it does, it does, it doesn't feel as. You're right. It doesn't feel as good. You know what we did after that? We started brewing a a Sahili Rai, like infinite Sahili Rai modern deck with liquid metal <laughs> coating. Yeah. <laughs> Our games were done so fast. He's like, you know, I want to try it with this Sahili Rai, like liquid metal coating, and then you copy it a bunch of times, and then you like have like an altar of the brood. You're like, all right, here's what <laughs> yeah, let's get geez. on it. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> but the, the other thing with that, so yeah, that's that's how magic is. So there are games like, you know, like look at Forbidden Island. It's like a co-op game, right? Yeah. Um, you can lose at that game, but when you lose, you lose with your friends. You lose with like four people, and it's a it's a it's a shared it's a shared loss. And so you generally laugh about it with each other after you lose. Uh, there's no one gloating over you uh, about about like how how much they trounced you or anything like that. And when you win, 
everyone wins and they all feel good. And just magic is, uh, you know, unfortunately magic is one of those games where it's competitive and you have to play against someone and someone has to walk away a loser. And that is, uh, it's a, it's a bummer part of the game, but it's also what makes the game so much fun and makes it worth, uh, make, makes it, the wins feel, uh, they feel real when you win. Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. you feel like you've accomplished something. Whereas like if you beat a board game, that board game was meant to, meant to be beaten, you know? Yeah, I think um, it, it, what's interesting, though, is that it really gets to also this, this design philosophy, which is, you know, oh, they're moving away from land destruction, moving away from counter spells, moving away from prison pces, and they're trying to make the game fun for everybody, but it still feels terrible when so you lose. boring. <laughs> and, the games, and the games are more boring for it, which is yeah. sort of how I feel. Like, I think, that's, I think you really hit on it there. Like, it always sucks to lose, like... It, it's, it's never you know. it never feels good to lose. You never like <laughs> never feels you know you you appreciate when someone new learns the game and you teach them and they beat you and you're like oh good he's getting it you know but when you're in yeah. a tournament setting and you lose you're just like well that's a waste of my day that's sort of a bummer <laughs> you know you have right. this real life moment where you stop casting spells and you're like well like you know maybe I shouldn't have taken off work today or you know maybe. Uh, you know, I just spent 40 bucks on this tournament and I literally have just wasted $40. You know, there are those moments in, in this game where you're just like, real life comes and smacks you in the face and you're like, whoa, that was terrible. What or you I make doing? a bonehead yeah. play and, and you literally are like, I literally just lost, you know, $40 because I didn't tap my lands right, you know? Uh, so there are those moments that like, you know, you just get trounced by the fact that like, this is a competitive game. And that's and when you lose, it sucks. And when you win, you're ruining somebody else's day. You know, like that's yeah, just, that doesn't that's, feel good. It, it yeah, does. Like it doesn't I, feel good. I've definitely been in those situations where, like, you know, I I beat a guy in a in a IQ where uh, round five we got a we got a deck check and we're already in game two. They're like, oh, we need to do a deck check, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. And he had four random cards sitting in his deck box. Now, whether or not he did that on purpose, uh, I don't know. But, man, that dude lost. And it had to have sucked for him if he didn't do it on purpose that he lost to a deck check for some cards that he traded for. Right. You know? Or that he bought like, that day or picked up off the table. Yeah. Imagine. And did I feel bad? I felt a little bad. But at the same time, like, you kind of have to know better. But still, like, I have I have that story. You know, like, that's that's something that has stuck with me at the very least. Like... I won uh, that match with an asterisk, you know, like I didn't even beat this yeah. guy, you know, <laughs> that is, that's the other part of when you went on a technicality like that, it's, it's, you, you like, don't feel like you really won or if you got really lucky, yeah, getting really lucky and then winning a match where you're like, well, I was dead. Yeah. And then something, something miraculous happens. And or then you're like, you like have you, you literally go up against the easiest three people in the room and they had just like somehow won. So you're like, X and O, and and you go into the fourth round and you beat some other guy who literally like how did this guy even get here, and you're and you're you know you're testing for the for a, a big tournament and you're like I literally have learned nothing today, I played a guy playing, you know five color painter servant I played another guy playing like you know Feldegrift dot deck and you know like yeah. something like that and you're just like why how did this even happen how, like did his opponents get mana screwed. Every time, like, all three of these people's opponents got mana screwed that they got up to here. Like, why 
I learned nothing today, and I and I made forty dollars just in you know like which is crazy. You know, you're like, oh, I I did well. I split with the guy and and you know in the top seed with with me, but and I made forty dollars. But everything I take from this is that like my deck has I have no idea whether or not this deck is good. <laughs> I don't know? know if we can get a hashtag on this, but like, it should be like magic. Magic is a zero sum game when it comes to fun. So. Just reprint Winter Orb already. Yeah, come on. Like, put Winter Orb in standard. Give me Stasis. If you put Stasis in standard, shut the fuck up. I'm in. I bet people... I bet people would play... I bet they would see standard attendance spike if they put crazy old-style cards. Yeah, not even Not even just reprints, but, like, something that's actually, like, brutal to play against. If they actually put that stuff in standard, they would probably see a standard spike. Yeah, like, like, dude, give me, <laughs> give me Stone Rain, Thermocarst, give me Ice Quake, give me Choking Sands, and and give me some Pump Nights, and like, let me play this game. Right, exactly. And people will will show up that never play standard, and the people who are who are standard players will adjust to it eventually because they do when it's you know you know six color rally is the best deck, so they'll they'll adjust anything. Yeah. Oh. I bet you'd see more people, but. <sighs> It, then it's a thing. The point would be, it feels bad anyway to lose, so we might as well do this. All right, so we well, are now hitting the one-hour mark. This is our longest podcast yeah. ever, and I'm yeah. going to call it here because um, right. we can go that's, on that's about this. Right. We can go on about this forever. Um, but uh, to, to final final summary, uh, rug mid-range is a possibility. Rug Delver is what I'm going to be playing. Frontier. Don't do that to yourself. Eternal, <laughs> talk to your local LGS. Get it going. Uh, I guess we're I guess we're signing off. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Where does he get those wonderful toys?